Welcome to Ragbag's Fourth Wall, Part 3. My name's Frank Burton, the real one. So far we've talked about the best bits of the podcast and we've talked about influences from the world of radio and podcasting that have contributed to making the show what it is in their own ways. This time we're going to be talking about books and writing. So I'm mostly going to be talking about books that I like, so we'll get into that shortly. You know, books that I like, books that have influenced me over the years and books that I'm reading at the moment. Later on, I'm going to be dropping in part of an interview I did with Hannah Kate in 2019. I appeared on Hannah's radio show on North Manchester FM when I was promoting my novel 100. Uh, The show is called Hannah's Bookshelf. Hannah's great, by the way. You should check out her work. Links in the show notes. And you don't need to live in Manchester to hear her radio show. There's a whole archive of them on Mixcloud. So go and check that out too. One of the features Hannah does on her show is called Apocalypse Books, in which she invites the author she has on that week to select the three books that they would save from destruction during an apocalyptic event of some kind. Stay tuned to find out which three books I chose. First of all, here's a recording of me talking earlier on. Right, well, let's talk about books, shall we? I'd like to tell you about some of the things that I've been reading recently and also some of the things in general that just influence me as a writer, um, some of which might surprise you. I don't know. Maybe it'll surprise you. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Um, I do kind of mention these things, you know, throughout the books that sort of mention kind of other books within the Ragbag series, things that Frank has been reading, fictional Frank, things that fictional Frank has been reading, Russian literature and stuff like that. I'm actually very heavily influenced by 19th century Russian literature. Gogol's Dead Souls, I mentioned that in um, Getting Away With It. And, you know, these sort of highbrow literary influences aren't necessarily that clear, uh, you know, discernibly clear in a book that is primarily... A form of entertainment. Uh, I wouldn't describe the Ragbag series as literary as such. I'd call it primarily it's a, it's a form of entertainment. And uh, if the, you know, it does have artistic merit, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's literary in the same way that Tolstoy is or Dostoevsky is, you know. And um, like I'm saying, I really, really like these writers. And a lot of, a lot of the influences stylistically I suppose that go into the books that I write um, I, I don't know whether it's to do with the translation because I don't know what the originals are like the R- Russian originals you know um, but uh, they come across certainly the English translation particularly with uh, the big three well what for me are the big three um, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky and Gogol maybe you thought I was going to say Chekhov there I threw you off <laughs> Three you off with the che- I don't know. I mean, um, I, I like Chekhov. He's all right. <laughs> Chekhov's all right, but um, he doesn't have had the same kind of uh, pull for me as uh, as Tolstoy does, for example. Don't know why. Um, just the way it is. Um, but yeah, I th- I think the style that those books are kind of written in is uh, very different to the nineteenth century English style of writing you know typified by your uh your dickens and your thackeray and 
all of that sort of thing. It's uh, it's a lot more kind of uh, long descriptive passages, and uh, for me, they're a lot more kind of rambly. Whereas Tolstoy, I mean, you read War and Peace is a very long book, but it really does get to the point very quickly uh, as well. Um, he doesn't mess about. Mr. Tolstoy doesn't, I don't think. Um, he just kind of get gets right to the heart of the action and right to the heart of the matter a lot quicker than Dickens would have. So if Dickens was writing War and Peace, I think that it'd probably be about 10 volumes. But, uh, you know, War and Peace is a long book, but I, I do <laughs> highly recommend reading it. I think it's really, really good. It's one of my favourite books. Uh, I've only read it once because it's so long. And I never read books twice, actually. I, I never... Actually, the last book that I read twice was very long, and it is a very long book, A Fraction of the Whole by Steve Toltz, which I've mentioned on the podcast before because it's, uh, it's a huge influence on, particularly on the Ragbag series. A Fraction of the Whole is, is about, uh, as a very similar theme to my book, Everything I Am, in that it's about a father's, a, a son's relationship with his crazy father. Uh, you know, when I say crazy, I mean eccentric. The, the father character in that is, is quite, you know, it's, just, it's kind of a wild guy. And, um, uh, you know, it, in, in some ways you could see a, a comparison there between my character, Frank Burton Sr., who, who is not a real person, as, 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 as I keep stressing. He's, he's not uh, my actual father. I read that book twice because it's, it's just so damn good. It really is. In fact, um, I, um, I highly recommend the audiobook version of that, actually. If you can track that down, well, if you can track that down, it's on Audible. It's it's very easy to track it down. Just uh, type it into a search engine of your choice, and it will come up. You used to be able to say that. <laughs> uh, you can tell I'm a 20th century guy, can't you? It's just whenever I make a recommendation to somebody, I I add at the end, if you can track it down, it's really good. <laughs> That's what we used to have to say in the 20th century because it was difficult to track things down. Really difficult. If you recommend a book to somebody, they'd have to go into a bookshop and like request it. It wouldn't be on nine times out of ten. It wouldn't be on the shelf, so they'd have to go and the uh, you know the guy in the shop would have to look it up on their database, uh, which you know wasn't necessarily a complete list of all the books that are available. And uh, maybe he could see it on his database, but he couldn't order it. <laughs> this It's not that long ago. This is what you used to have do in the olden <laughs> It just sounds so old. This is what you have to used to do in 1995. If somebody recommended a book that was slightly obscure, you know, not, not even really obscure, just slightly obscure, uh, like it had been published three years ago and it had gone out of print. That's the other thing. Things don't go out of print anymore, do they? Because of print-on-demand, which is great. I think it's fantastic. This is where I differ from people who talk about the olden days as though it was better. You know what I mean? It's that it wasn't better. Having to go into a bookshop to track something down that somebody recommended to you and not being able to find it, that is not better than... (laughs) going on the internet and typing it in and finding it straight away and being able to download the ebook straight away and reading it a matter of seconds after that recommendation has been given to you that's fantastic it was it's much better now than it was the the whole system <laughs> the whole system was broken um but uh, now now the internet has fixed it so 
there you go. Um, down with the olden days. Uh, where were we? I was talking about Russian literature. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, like I was saying, a lot of my influences are quite highbrow, and I'm going to be you're going to be hearing me talk about Gonzalo M. Tavares later on, who is, I think, definitely one of my biggest influences. It's a it's a very very hard to pin down guy, really. Uh, Portuguese writer. Every single one of his books, uh, it was it's almost as though they were written by a different person. You know, there's no real, very little similarity between one and the other. I've read a few of them now, and uh, they're all very, very different. But, I mean, they're all absolutely fantastic. Uh, you will hear me talk about his book, uh, Jerusalem, later on. So <laughs> listen out for that. But uh, I'm really into reading uh, non-fiction at the moment. Um, I haven't read a, a novel for a couple of years, I don't think. Uh, the last novel that I read, let's have a look, what was it? It was My Sister the Serial Killer by Oyun Kan Braithwaite, who's a Nigerian author. Absolutely brilliant book. Really entertaining, kind of a, like a black comedy type thing about, yeah, I mean, the title says it all, doesn't it, really? My Sister the Serial Killer. That's the sort of thing you're letting yourself in for if <laughs> if you go for that. But it is a really, really nicely written book. I would recommend it to anyone who is interested in in what I was saying earlier about getting to the point quickly, getting straight into it and not not wasting any words whatsoever, but telling a good story without wasting any words and just getting getting right down to the kind of uh, the heart of the matter. So, yes, there we go. Um, uh, My Sister the Serial Killer, I highly recommend that. But um last couple of years, I've been, mostly been reading nonfiction. I've just kind of got into these, I think, it might be something to do with the fact that I am pretending to be a non-fiction writer in that um, I've just finished writing the third ragbag novel, uh, which is going to be called Brollywood. And um, I've started the fourth one as well, which doesn't have a title yet. So I'm really in the thick of this series of novels that I started only a couple of years ago. And now I'm on the fourth one. It's a bit crazy. But essentially, I am pretending to be a non-fiction writer. That is the kind of central conceit, I suppose, at the heart of the series, is that this is a kind of series of memoirs that I'm writing now. They're not, that it's a work of fiction, but I'm presenting it as though it is. So I think possibly that's one of the reasons why I've got into reading a lot of non-fiction, just in terms of maybe looking at the style. I mean, I don't, unconsciously, perhaps that's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm to be honest, I'm just reading non-fiction because I've found quite a few kind of really good books with some really good stories in. <laughs> and it really is as simple as that. So the one that I'm reading at the moment, which I, I cannot recommend this highly enough, it's really extraordinary. And there's there's so many stories in here of uh, just stuff I had no idea about. Um, so it's called The Outlaw Ocean, Crime and Survival in the Last Untamed Frontier by Ian Urbina. Is that how you say it? Ian Urbina? Maybe I'm saying his name wrong. American guy. Um, I think he writes for... Is it New Yorker or the New York Times? Anyway. Um, so this book is kind of started off as a series of articles about various forms of crime on the high seas. 
Um, I haven't even got to piracy yet. I'm halfway through it. It's a very long book again. It's a very long book. I'm on page 459 of 1266. So I guess I'm about halfway. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to... When you get to uh, have a look at the page count and then if it's a non-fiction book, that kind of the last 200 pages are all kind of footnotes. And uh, I will not be reading the footnotes. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not that hardcore. Get in touch, listeners. Do you read all the footnotes in a book? <laughs> and then look them all up. Look up all the footnotes and then read all the source material as well as the thing that you just read. That would take you an entire lifetime. Uh, don't do it. The, the author has read the source material so that you don't have to. Yeah, a few different ones. Um, yeah, kind of been got again because of the uh, the subject matter of the books that I'm writing at the moment. I've kind of got into um, reading about crime and stuff like that. So I've read that one. The previous to that, I read a book called Lying for Money by Dan Davis. Um, how legendary frauds reveal the wonders. That, no, how legendary fraud reveals the workings of our world. But I think going back to Steve Tolts, um, one of the key writers for me, um, let's see, he's only written two books as far as I know. I'll see if it's, I'm just going to Google him now and see if he's, do you hear that noise? That's my computer. Um, so Steve Tolts, oh, has he got a new one out? I do hope so. Let's have a look. The Boy Who Steals Houses. I don't think that is Steve Tolks. I think that's a advert no um the boy who steals houses why is that coming up that's by a, an author called cg drews it's the first thing that comes up when you google steve tolks that's annoying it's an advert it's an advert um yeah his uh his first book is called a fraction of the whole and uh it's absolutely amazing it's a very long book and it's very really worthwhile you checking it out and the second one is called quicksand and that is equally good and but it looks like there's uh, one coming out in 2022 called here goes nothing <laughs> i've already got there's, there's already a, a blurb about a wildly inventive savagely funny and topical novel how can it be topical it's not coming out for a year morality <laughs> who writes these things uh, apologies to Mr. Talks if he wrote this himself. Uh, I write my own blurbs. Maybe maybe he does too. Um, wildly inventive, savagely funny and topical novel about love, mortality and the afterlife by Booker Shortlisted, author of A Fraction of the Whole. Um, yes, Angus is a reformed ne'er-do-well. <laughs> he didn't write this. Somebody else. I don't think, I don't think Steve Talks would use the expression ne'er-do-well without irony. So I think some marketing guy has written this blurb for him. And um, I'm not sure if it's done, <laughs> it's done just this ne'er-do-well. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, the, the, yeah, there's no cover yet. This is the sort of thing that, that I enjoy. Um, if I'm into something, then I'll kind of look up what they've got coming up. And, uh, yeah, just kind of... Here goes nothing. You can't pre-order it or anything. So I'm going to have to wait until May 2022. Let's see if Gonzalo and Tabres has got anything coming up. I haven't actually um, read a Tabres novel for 
quite a while. But the last one that I uh, purchased was very strange. It was kind of like an epic poem. It wasn't even, I thought it was going to be a novel, but it was, yeah, it was called Voyage to, Voyage to India. And it's like an epic poem. I, yeah, I couldn't get into that. This is the thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's an odd one, really. Um, because uh, Tavares's books are all completely different to each other, like I was saying. But uh, the ones that I highly recommend, uh, the three biggies for me are Jerusalem. There's another one called Learning to Pray in the Age of Technology, which is a yeah, really mind-blowing book, that one. And also Joseph Walser's Machine. Um, yeah, I mean, how can I describe these things? It's like he's he's describing reality as though it's it's as though these kind of real things are just completely absurd and he makes kind of commonplace things sound really odd and really kind of defamiliarization I think is the uh technique that he's employing there um which uh, I learnt that at university. <laughs> I, it's one of those words that you don't hear outside of a university, defamiliarization. But um, that is what he is very, very good at. And um, yeah, I think uh, if you want an example of how to do defamiliarization, then uh, read one of those books because uh, they're uh, fantastic. Well, it seems like there's a, a book called The Friends. 2021 let's check this out i might just order this now spanish edition that's no good to me gonzalo I'm t- <laughs> this is this is great audio there's great content guys me googling things that are in of interest to me <laughs> gonzalo <laughs> Gonzalo M. Tavares. I'm not going to edit this at all, guys. I'm just going. You can listen to me do this. Uh, I'm, I want to see if I can purchase the the latest Tavares novel, um, The Friend. I don't think you can get it in English. Uh, and uh, what's all this? Showing results from all departments. The first thing that comes up is like a, a herbal extract. Um, so that's not what I want. What has happened to uh, Amazon in recent? It's just it's become not as user friendly as it used to be. I shouldn't even be promoting these these bastards, but um, sometimes it's the only place to 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 get stuff from. That's annoying, isn't it? Gonzalo M. Tabres, the friend books. Just, nothing comes up at all. That's uh. Uh, I've I've maybe turned this into a whole separate episode of me trying to find um, (laughs) trying to find this book Spanish edition if I click on the Spanish edition and see if there's um, an English translation I don't think there is what else is there to say Um, I mean the influences from back in the day uh, I think uh, early on my kind of early work was influenced quite heavily by J.G. Ballard who I haven't read for years I mean he's a great writer but I think uh, I feel like I've done that now And uh, but um, you know if 
I I would still highly recommend him if, if anybody's never read a J.G. Ballard novel then I definitely recommend him as a writer I think probably probably anything by him is is good actually I'm trying to think of um what's really good but um you may have seen Empire of the Sun um the Steven Spielberg film which is based on a kind of semi-autobiographical novel by J.G. Ballard and it's very different to his other books but I think it might be his best one actually so I would direct you towards Empire of the Sun because um, again it's one of those things that uh, he described well I mean he's describing extraordinary things in a way because he's talking about his experience of seeing uh, 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 being a prisoner of war in uh, Shanghai I think it was Shanghai he was uh, in prison there as a child with his parents because he was living over there he's a British uh, British guy but um, he was uh, brought up in China I think I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm imagining this maybe I'm maybe I'm imagining the whole thing let's see I, I need to look it up <laughs> I'm just gonna do some more googling Empire of the Sun I'm sure he, sure it was Shanghai oh that's depressing you put Empire of the Sun in the you can either have Empire of the Sun the 1987 film yeah or the next one is Empire of the Sun, the electronic duo, who I've not heard of. I'm sure they're very good. They're naming themselves after a J.G. Ballard novel that they're probably one to check out. But it's annoying that the book doesn't come up first. That was the original, based on Empire of the Sun by J.G. Ballard, 1984 novel. Right, okay. After the Pearl Harbor attack, Japan occupies the Shanghai International Settlement. So that's where he was. He was in the Shanghai International Settlement and he was a prisoner of the, the Japanese. But he was a boy during that time. And the, the Empire of the Sun is about that. It's about that experience. And so he's describing these, uh, you know, very extraordinary circumstances um, and making it sound... No, actually, he's doing the opposite uh, of defamiliarization. He is uh, describing extraordinary things as though it's perfectly normal, as though that's a perfectly normal thing to happen. And um, he's describing kind of uh, seeing the buildings being bombed and describing the aftermath of the invasion where there's kind of uh, deserted streets and... Uh, living conditions that people are living in while they're being held captive, essentially. And he just describes it as though that is just something that happened. He doesn't, he's not saying, he's not saying, oh, th this is a freaky thing that happened to me when I was a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, what is the word for that? Um, describing extraordinary things as though it's just a regular thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, it's it's a brilliant kind of technique. It's a, and, uh, you know, th this is the book to read if you want to investigate that further, I would say. J.G. Ballard's Empire of the Sun. But, I mean, he's um, uh, the rest of his books are very, very different to this, well, the ones that I've read anyway. Um, he wrote a book called Crash, which was also made into a film, a David Cronenberg film, which uh, I think was banned at some point. And um, again, I can actually use this now. If you can track it down, <laughs> the David Cronenberg film Crash, 
you may not be able to because um, uh, they got into some trouble. Um, it's uh, how do you describe it? I think it's it's kind of like a, a group of people who have this sexual relationship, uh, kind of uh, sexual kink uh, to do with car crashes, and they kind of get off on kind of get them deliberately get themselves involved in car crashes and then get off on it. <laughs> That's basically it. That's it. And um, uh, yeah, the, the the novel is extraordinary really is uh really a, a, an amazing book um and the film not as good in my opinion um i think the film doesn't really do much justice to it I th- and i think the film is probably a little bit kind of like oh look we're doing something shocking here look at this guys we're, we're being <laughs> you know whereas um the book is just it doesn't seem like he's setting out to shock in the book it just seems like he is writing about his innermost thoughts uh which just happened to be quite dark um extremely dark as a matter of fact you know it's a sex and death um and uh, yeah yeah I, I i recommend crash by jg ballard i mean it's not an easy not an easy read by any means it's quite quite disturbing in parts but um, it certainly left an impression on me. I don't think that kind of thing has much of an influence on my writing. Uh, in terms of the like the Ragbag series in particular, there's no kind of... I have it as a rule that I don't really write about proper like taboo subjects and kind of controversial subjects or kind of don't write about sex or violence or they're actually very very clean i don't even swear in the books either which is um it's kind of an interesting tactic that i'm taking there it's not that i'm trying to be kind of family friendly or anything like that it's just kind of like i don't even use not using swear words in dialogue is a good kind of discipline for me as a writer because if i kind of allow myself to have characters swearing all the time it's kind of for me um i would end up being quite lazy with it like uh you know just having somebody say oh fucking hell fuck this fuck off fuck this fuck off fucking hell fuck up (laughs) what the fuck there are more challenging ways of saying those things that there is uh, instead of saying fucking hell you you have to say (laughs) you have to kind of think of another way of expressing that emotion and quite often the way that you the alternative to fucking hell kind of is is a good way of of getting into that character whereas you know any anyone can swear but not everyone can articulate themselves in a in a different sort of way do you know what i mean Um, i don't even know if i'm making sense to myself even yeah it's not that i'm prudish it's uh it's an aesthetic thing yes that sounds good doesn't it aesthetic it's an aesthetic I can't even say the word aesthetic, and um, it's the same with the, you know, the uh, the taboo subject things. I mean, you know, I I could easily choose to write about sex and drugs and violence and all that sort of thing, uh, but there's lots of other people who are doing that, and um, I think if I was to kind of go down that road, then I probably wouldn't stand out as much as I do now. When I say it as much as I do now. I'm aware of the fact that I'm not commercially successful. 
<laughs> but um, I do think that my work does stand out um, if you compare it to other people's. If you compare one of the ragbag novels to, you know, any other contemporary novel, I think you, you can tell that I'm trying to do something different at the very least, um, even though I'm kind of... Uh, the, the other interesting thing about the Ragbag series is that I'm kind of, it's my first real attempt at writing within a kind of genre. Because like getting away with it is, is kind of like a crime thriller and everything I am is kind of like a mystery story about a missing person type thing. And that, there's lots of them about, you know what I mean? But hopefully I'm doing it in a different way. Hopefully I'm kind of uh, exploring these genres, using the genre as a framework to put as many of my own crazy ideas as possible into that space. And also, yeah, the two things that I'm trying to, the two kind of elements that are the focus of the ragbag books are character and plot. So it's kind of like my previous book to that was 100, which is... Uh, neither of those things are really present there aren't really any proper characters and there is no real plot um it just kind of goes all over the place it's kind of like a series of very loosely connected stories so there's no real plot and there's no real well the characters are there but they're kind of intentionally one-dimensional uh, because that book is kind of just like a big bag of ideas and I mean, it's a great book, by the way. I highly recommend it. Um, but um, it's it's good if you want to sit down with it with a great load of ideas and just kind of plow your way through them. And But it's not the same as reading like a, a thriller, you know what I mean? So I thought instead of doing another big bag of ideas, I'll I'll do a completely different thing altogether, which is, uh, yeah, which is where the Ragbag series comes in, really. And it's, yeah, very, very different to anything that I've done before which is exciting for me and um I am yeah, I'm really enjoying it I'm really enjoying writing these books and uh, yeah I hope that you enjoy uh, reading them really Right we are back in the present moment a couple of corrections for you first of all Gonzalo M Tavares's The Friends is a short story which actually is available in English. I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it's very good. Correction number two, the Tavares novel I was referring to earlier is called Learning to Pray in the Age of Technique, rather than Learning to Pray in the Age of Technology. Duh! Don't you know anything, Burton? Right, without further ado, here's an excerpt from my appearance on Hannah's Bookshelf with the great Hannah Kate. That's right, it is that time in the show when I ask my guests, in the event of the apocalypse when society is crumbling around your ears and there are mutants on every street corner, there's not a single Londis to be looted, which three books would you save and why? Now, I put this question to my guest today, Frank Burton. Um, apocalypse is coming. I mean, let's be honest, the apocalypse is coming. Um so we all need to this is a, this is just good life advice you know we're all going to need to make the decision sooner or later um which three books are you taking with you in your apocalypse go bag um so let's start with your first selection frank what's the first one going in there um my first one which i have a copy of right here is um it's a novel called jerusalem 
by uh, Gonzalo M. Tavares, who's a Portuguese writer. Okay, tell me about Jerusalem. Um, it's uh, it's a really really interesting book, and it's kind of um, it's just totally different to anything else that I've ever read, and I think that's why it needs saving just for that reason alone. But it's um, it's kind of six or seven different stories that they're all kind of almost being told at once. It keeps darting from one to the next in these sort of series of really short kind of chapters, but it just kind of keeps you. Um, grip the whole time i was uh, i brought it in particularly because i I wanted to just read the first line Mm -hmm. of the book which is just like the best first line of a book i've ever read it's um so this is how the book begins ernst spengler was alone in, in his attic apartment getting ready to throw himself out of the already open window when the telephone rang and it's just it it gets it gets you from the word go because it introduces the character it's establishes that he's got some kind of backstory he's going to throw himself out the window so what's going on there and then the telephone rings and then okay there's he's on the phone yeah. <laughs> what's going on <laughs> there's a lot of things happening right now and the whole book's like this the whole book is just like that it's like it keeps throwing things at you and you just keep having to um ride with it you know it's, uh, <laughs> and uh, I've, I've read lots of other books by the same author um i i just can't recommend it enough um, and every book's completely different to, to to every other one as well. It's it's like they've been written by different people. So that that, that kind of we talked a little bit about this that unpredictability, that not knowing what to expect, that um, yeah, not knowing from from one chapter to the next where where things are going and, and what's going to happen. Yeah. Now Jerusalem is a novel, but yeah. we're back on this uh, thing of um, stories connected together, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I must have been influenced by this because I, I, I must have read it around the same time that I wrote 100. And I think you can you can probably um, tell that. If, if just kind of flicking through the book, you can see kind of um, that this is kind of how long the chapters are. The chapters are really kind of short. That's like great that. radio. That and it's, going on there. <laughs> it's great radio. Um, I know it's great radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, For listeners so. at home, the stories yeah. are quite short. Um but yeah, it, it, but I think that's, um, I mean, this is something that we mentioned briefly as well in the first hour of the show, that you, you were talking about writing what you want to write, but mm. also there is that thing of writing what you want to read as well. And, and that if you take a lot of pleasure out of a particular form, it stands to reason you're probably going to write in that mm. form because yeah. because you like it. Um, and it's obvious that this... Form is is something that we share. I think we've both we've both been chucking out examples of mm. of, of this connected. This probably is a technical term for it, but this collected stories that become a something bigger. Mm. Yeah. Um, so when did you read Jerusalem? I mean, how um, did you stumble on it? Was it a recommendation? Or? I I discovered him through there's a there's um a publisher of kind of European fiction in translation called. Dalky Archive and they put an anthology out every year called Best European Fiction Mm -hmm. and I discovered um, some Tavares uh, short stories in one of their anthologies that's how I discovered him the writer and then I just loved them you know they were they were really really good and really really different to you know again just anything that I'd ever read before Mm. so I thought well I'm gonna have to check him out so Jerusalem was the first novel of, of his that I wrote and yeah, I, I read a bunch of other ones as well because um, it just yeah, what it's it's nice to discover 
a writer who's a little bit different to everybody else but every now and again you discover someone who's just completely different to everyone and mm. that, that, that's I think that's what Tavares is really yeah. so I mean that's the reason why you're saving it really is this yeah yeah it's, yeah. Uh, yeah and that's that's a good reason. I think I think everyone will agree that um, this is a you know a writer like no one else in a book. And in a way, it's a shame to just be able to save one book because, as you say, each of his books is different. Um, yeah, yeah. So was this just a favourite? Or... I, I think it's my favourite because it's the first one that I read. Ah, um, yeah. And you know, it's it, because it struck me as as being. Um, whoosh, like a, a completely different experience whereas yeah. uh, you know you read his other books and then you're kind of familiar with that author and, and his style even though each of his books are, are very different to each other um you know you've uh, you've become part of that world so it's kind of the, the the first one for me is um my favorite one there's nothing like quite like falling in love with an, a new author i think yeah, you know yeah. um the it, yeah i can think of a couple of writers where i've had that experience and and that first book that i read is still is always going to have that special place because it was mm. such an experience what a, a lovely reason a lovely um intellectual but then also personal reason for saving a book like that but we do need two other selections What's the next book that's going um, in? The next one is Mouse by Art Spielmann, um, which is spelt the German way, M-A-U-S, and it's a graphic novel um, which retells the author's the story of the author's father, who's a Holocaust survivor. And it's uh, so it's 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 all a hundred percent true story, but um, the way that it's drawn, the way the characters are drawn in this graphic novel is that the Jewish people are, are drawn as mice and the Nazis are drawn as cats. So it's it's almost like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, but it's about the Holocaust, which which sounds very bizarre, but it's so well done. Um, it's, it's a really amazing book. Um, and it's because it, 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 it does sound bizarre, but it does completely work. And then there's the, the odd thing of, because he sort of inserts himself into the story as well. So you have yeah, the, the, yeah. the bits... And there, the the mouse is a mask. You can see where it's been tied mm. on, and um, it's, it's it's incredibly powerful, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's uh, yeah, all, all the stuff about the author kind of inserting himself in. So there's the he's kind of comments on his own writing of it, which is it, done in a really sort of clever way, and he's kind of analysing his relationship with his father because it's, it's his father's story that he's telling mm. and there's there's this whole thing about is his dad's kind of like really tight with money and he's re really sort of um doesn't want to spend money at all and uh there's, there's a there's a part where he says well i don't really want to portray my dad as being like this because it's like a horrible sort of jewish stereotype but then that that is what he was like you know so mm. I, i've got to tell the story that way but then he's not like that because he's jewish he's like that because he had everything taken away from yeah. him and he was in a concentration camp and he was starving to death. So when he got things back, he held on to him for dear life. And yeah, it was just um, it's a really, really personal, really sort of personal story about their relationship and also, you know, about the horrific experiences that his dad went through, you know, um, in the concentration camps. There's some really powerful stuff about... Um the next generation as well, cause, you know, and, and yeah. what it means to be the the son or the child of somebody who was in a concentration camp when you yourself haven't ever experienced anything like that. I mean, but it is a graphic novel, um, you know, and 
Well, I will say, it's interesting, isn't it? Just as an aside, that we always call Mouse a graphic novel, hmm. not a comic book. Like graphic novel yeah. is the literary term, but we yeah. don't. We, but we call Superman a comic book, and not a, <laughs> that's a whole bit about literary snobbery that we because it is a comic book and it's drawn in ex, you know it's exactly the same format as a superhero comic book yeah. would be, yeah. except that it's a little bit meta and it's a little bit self-referential and there's there's various things about the actual act of doing a graphic novel that it, it, it grapples with, but. Um, it is a graphic novel, and when I first heard of it, I thought that that would cheapen the subject matter. But it, mm. I, I personally don't think it does. Um, you no, obviously it, don't. It, it, it shows what you can do with that format, you know, and uh, you know, particularly if you just kind of associate that format with superhero comics and stuff like that. Actually, discovering something like Mouse and seeing what you can actually do with that mm. is uh, it's just amazing, really. So when did you, dis- how how did you um, come across it? How oh, you- um, uh, years ago now, yeah. I think I um, I picked it up in the library. And I, I um, yeah, so it's a long, long time ago. Were I, you I, reading I, other comic books? Was comic books a thing, or graphic novels, <laughs> a thing that you were familiar with? Yeah, yeah, I, re- I really like them, you know. Um, I, I think a, a lot of my writing has been influenced by them as well, mm. um, in particular sort of... Uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, the Sandman series, yeah. was um, a, particularly in the form that I write of, of kind of little stories that are all connected to each other. That that's yeah. something that Neil Gaiman does really well in in his comics and stuff. And um, so I'm interested in that side because a, a lot a lot of uh, you know um, graphic novels slash kind of comic strip <laughs> stuff is just kind of short stuff. You know, you and, get the vignettes, don't you? Yeah. So you can because you quite often will get the thing that. that can take place on one spread um and and yeah. that, that limits the, the you know how how far you can go with it and yeah a, yeah a, you know a, f- um, a four frame um comic strip gives you really quite pared down storytelling um doesn't it yeah um so mouse was something that you found in the library that yeah yeah so um yeah, and it's it's in uh, it's in two volumes, so I had to go back for the second <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great discovery, and I've uh, yeah. So I mean, in terms of why you're saving it, in a way, because it I mean, it's such an unusual piece of writing, such mm. a powerful piece of writing, and it is a piece of writing about a, a really really important part of human history that shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah. But aside from those things, why are you saving it? <laughs> Um, I'd like to save a graphic novel because um, if there's only, and you know, um, I don't want that form to completely mm. be destroyed by the apocalypse. And if I'm going to save a graphic novel, I think I should save that one. Um, because, like I say, I think it's just a really good example of what you can do with that form. And perhaps after the apocalypse is over and societies resettled themselves, they can find it and say, oh, yeah, we'll have a go at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think there might be a superhero graphic novel in the... I, and I think my other half saved a graphic novel. I think, or was it a novel? But we might have, we might have enough to be able to start rebuilding the entire spread ah, of yes. graphic novels. And that would be brilliant. <laughs> On that note... Third selection. What's joining these two? Um, it's it's an apocalyptic book in itself. Um, it's, it's not called... like it's not going to bring <laughs> on the apocalypse. No, is it, it just happens to be. It just happens to be because I, I like um, dystopian fiction, yeah. and it just happens to be 
part of the Apocalypse book selection. Um, it's called Parable of the Sower by um, um, uh, Xavier E. Butler. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, like I say, I really like um, dystopian fiction. I, I kind of did my um, university dissertation on 1984 by George Orwell. Mm. And um, so... I, I, so that's proper, yeah, straight um, in there with the dystopia. Yeah, yeah. So, because um, I'm, I'm kind of drawn towards that sort of thing and I've I've only just read this uh this book it, it was it's not a new book by any means it was written in the in the early 90s and um and it's set in what is now the near future 2025 and over the course of a few years but it, it's really not like a typical um dystopian novel I wouldn't say because there's, there's lots and lots of things going on besides the like dystopian elements of it so like um it's 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 a story about like um the main character's like um 15 years old at the start and it's about her kind of coming of age as well so it's kind of like a coming of age story um but it's also uh, happens to be a story about human survival in uh in a in a world in which things have gone a bit wrong so what sort of dystopia are we looking at because obviously <laughs> dystopias uh, are of different different types you know we um 1984 is a very particular template for the kind yeah. of out of control statism i guess um what what are we looking at in parable of the sower um it, it's uh so it's set in it's an american novel it's set in america and it's uh some things have gone wrong climate change wise and now there's water shortages and things like that and society is kind of broken down into like anarchy and so but it doesn't dwell very much on the details mm. of like the um in the way that George Orwell would have done like he'd, he'd have had a, a a whole you know a whole thing about, about the how po the world the works, politics yeah. and everything like that but this is just it, it's it's a very sort of human sort of story so it's just about what's happening to the characters and it's about a st the story of their survival um so yeah it's kind of uh, hazy on the details of how they got there in, into this situation as we may well be when we're yeah. you know, building this library, we might. <laughs> um, have you have you read a lot of Octavia Butler? No, I'm going to. I've only just read this one, so it's a, it's a new it's a new one for me. So there's there's a, there's a sequel to uh, Parable of the Sower as well. So I'm going to read that'll be the next thing that I read. I've literally I've literally just read Parable of the Sower. It's it sort of. Um, yeah, it kind of re refreshed my kind of interest in that genre. I think because I, yeah. I think I, I was getting a little bit tired, a little bit tired with it. I hadn't really read anything of, of that genre for quite a while, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I thought, well, this looks a bit different. I'll give this a go. Because uh, I think I think people who've read Octavia Butler rate her so highly. Yeah, um, yeah. But then there's a lot of people. She's not uh, not as well known, maybe as should be. No, definitely. No, I, d I definitely think it should be more well known. Yeah, it's. Um... But I think I think it's pretty impressive as well. A book that you've just read to sort of jump the queue <laughs> of all the other books you've read. Um, but it's it, it's it's um, it's quite an interesting choice. I think the selection that you've got. Um, sometimes you know, there's a. I feel like what we've got is three disparate stories that are coming together to... Is there a coherent story? Um, no, no, I just picked three books that I like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking maybe we, you know... Um... No, I, I, I kind of... Uh, I, I, I deliberately picked kind of different ones because I, I didn't want to pick 
three science fiction books or anything like that. Don't want to be know. bored as yeah, well. Because if yeah. you don't meet up with the rest of us, these are the only books you've got. I yeah, mean, as soon exactly. as you make it to the library at the end of days, you can borrow <laughs> all the other books. Um, but yeah, so that's um, the third selection there was Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler, Joining Mouse by App Spiegelman, and Jerusalem by Gonzalo M. Tavares. These are Frank Burton's selections for this week's Apocalypse books. If you'd like to see the full selection of books, Saved by all of my guests on the show. Just go to hannahkate.net and click on the library at the end of days. Thank you for listening. Check out my website, frankburton.co.uk, for all the details of my books, which have come up a few times in today's episode. Connect with me on social media if you want. It's Ragbag Presents on Twitter and Instagram. Watch out for ragbags fourth wall part four the final one of these fourth wall things coming up very soon and after that will be the grand finale ragbag episode 100 you do not want to miss that it is going to be fantastic i will see you very very soon